0: This program is brought to you by personallifemedia.com. Welcome once again to The Fearless Lover here on Personal Life Media. My name is Adam Gilad, and this show is The Fearless Lover. And here we really look every week into the spiritual roots of how can we create a life of, as fearless, a kind of love, life of love that we really want to create. And um, every week we interview people who are experts and have grounding in different traditions. We're really trying to cull sort of the best of many traditions. And this week I have a very special guest. Uh, Richard Platt is uh, a licensed family uh, therapist as well as a certified personal coach. And he has grounding in several spiritual traditions. And he has a lot to say about how practical spiritual traditions are in the therapeutic world, um, answering questions that therapy really struggles with.
1: If psychology is grounded in touching into source it's a great tool then there's the answer you know which of course it happens in relationship you know because in relationship we two people come together if it's about love and healing the source is going to be there but it's but it needs to be conscious and it needs to be that that's what it's about because what's happening in our culture with with text messaging and the internet and all of these things and in the media is that we are no longer having any space
0: so first of all Richard welcome thanks Adam that's great you want to give us a sort of couple minute rundown of how you got where you are, first where you are, and then how you got here in terms of your pursuits? Sure. Well,
1: um, I would say that I have been searching for most of my life about how to have a great relationship. Um, I watched my parents struggle quite a bit uh, through many marriages and divorces and this, that, and the other, and I thought, man, these are great people. Why, how come they're having such a hard time? Um, and so I decided to go to school to study marriage and family and relationship and created a marriage, um, and worked through a lot of stuff in that marriage and then dissolved that marriage and, and, uh, really got clear that marriage, a great relationship comes from having a great relationship with yourself and with your source. And, um, from that grounding have created a, an incredible union with uh, an amazing goddess, my wife, and um, and the journey was not over with that, and that is continuing to open and deepen and push all my buttons and hers. And uh, you know, for the past five years, we have been both teaching relationship as a spiritual practice and living it, and. Uh, enjoying the fruits and, and struggling with the challenges of that um, you know both coming from a very challenging family situations and, and this culture that doesn't give us a lot of navigation points about how to be powerful
0: and alive in relationship. So that's
1: where we're at.
0: Let me jump right on that. I think that's a really interesting phrase. powerful and alive in relationships. What do you as a, as a therapist, what do you see happening?
1: Well, I I really see an overall cultural breakdown going on um, and and it's systemic in terms of there being a a breakdown of transmission of how to be connected to our source, which I find to be the most grounding and important thing, and then how to take that connection and, and bring it into relationship. Uh, I see, uh, you know, one thing we'll get into today is, is working with the teens and, and um, families. But I see uh, what's happening in our culture is that we are more and more becoming mentored by our peers as opposed to our elders. And the peer relationship is fraught with competition. Uh, it's... It, it is not uh, always a giving or caring or loving relationship um, as, the, as a parent-child relationship is um, supposed to be. You know, where the parent sacrifices um, and, that, and that, that the young person learns that, that really caring relationship is, is about doing for the other, the inherent good feeling of doing for the other without, without external reward. Right, and um, in in the breakdown of that, you know, we see what's happening in our relationships and in the world as people becoming, you know, very hardened and 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 not very human, you know, um, and and it makes it really hard to then get into a relationship that you want to have, be powerful and loving, because, you know, we're constantly getting bombarded by things that annoy us. And if we can't go deeper and connect to a deeper place that it's about an act of giving and service and caring, we're going to constantly be be getting our chains yanked.
0: It's true because the culture is built around acquisition, and, and that means acquisition of experience and acquisition of feeling good. Right. You know, that's just acquisition of things. So right. um, I see what you're saying about culture. I want to ask you, when you say touching source, what exactly, give me an example, or give give our listeners an example of practically, what does that e- even mean and how can they apply that in a, in a troublesome spot in a relationship? I think it's really interesting.
1: What's been coming to me um, very powerfully is that, and I'm, and I'm going to link both things together because what's happening in our culture with, with text messaging and the Internet and all of these things and, and the media is that we are no longer having any space. That, if, that we're not having space throughout our day, throughout our week, throughout our existence, where, where we have time to just be. Whenever we feel the moment of boredom, we check our messages, we check our emails. And what, what's happening is that we're filling up all of the space with activity. And it becomes an addictive cycle. And the most important qualities of connection and being human are about experiencing things in space. Um, And let me explain what I mean by that. All the wisdom traditions and David Data and and Tantric Buddhism and all these things talk about there being two aspects of reality. One is that there is the space nature of mind and reality and the activity nature of mind and reality. In other words, like if you create a perfect vacuum in science, particles will appear in that vacuum out of nowhere. And so, you know, quantum physics and all of this stuff is proving this. But if you, you know, if you're filling that space with you, all of that activity, there's no room for activity to happen. There's no room for, for inspiration, for creativity, um, for love, for joy. Hmm. Anything that that comes from this place that I'm calling source um, gets pushed out because there's no space because you're filling that space with all of your activity, and it, it gets it gets into this reactive cycle. Um, I read yesterday that the most creative people we know of are the people who can withstand great amounts of space or boredom. You know, if you think of Albert Einstein or Picasso or any of these, you know, or a writer, these people, you know, create a lot of space in their mind and their lives, and they, and they just hang out there and let the um,
0: inspiration fill it. Well, let's see if we can create a, a, a parallel here between creativity and love, because I think there is. Um, you know, the, the origin of the word genius, I don't know if you know what the origin of the word genius is. Go for it. But it's literally, it's a genie. It's, it's magic. It, the, yeah. the idea, of, the idea of, of genius was that there was basically a guardian angel or a genie, a magical being who would plant things in your mind, but you have to have, as you say, you have to have fertile soil. And, and there's a notion of creativity, and it it's kind of magic. Like, where did these ideas come from? How did I write this? You know, where did this song come from? I don't know. And if you talk to creative people, they'll often say, I don't know. It just came, popped up. Or as, or as my son used to say when he was small, my brain did it. <laughs> <laughs> so right. I absolutely understand from a creative uh, perspective that when you create this kind of space, magic can happen. Now, what's the parallel there with creating love in a relationship?
1: Well, I, I would say that, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, we. Have this, I mean, creativity and romance are, are the same thing. I mean, we want to create this feeling of love. We want to create this feeling of connection and inspiration and that, that juice we get that feels so alive, you know. And if you look at relationships that have had that in the beginning, you know, that burst of, of creative power and juice. And then lose it over time, it's because they haven't continued to create the space for that genie to, you know, they haven't continued to rub the bottle. And um, and I, I think it's one
0: and the same. I think it's the same thing. It is. It's interesting. I mean, the obvious, the obvious condition that comes to mind is typical hardworking, two parents, kids, work, house, mortgage, cleaning. Right. No opportunity for magic genies to appear.
1: Yeah, and, and what people have to do, you know, is, is actively, I mean, you know, Einstein said it's 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration. They have to work hard at creating boundaries around their time Yeah, and protecting their relational time and keeping the media out of it and keeping, um, you know, all the sports activities um, clear and there's the work of this amazing guy Gordon Newfeld. Um, he's a Canadian theorist who's basically saying that you know that the the relationship between parents and children is sacrosanct, and what's happened is that it's it's gotten taken away, um, and and it's this you know you can you can translate that into a marriage or or into parents or into any sort of you know couple relationship. It's like if you're not, if you're not creating uh, sacrosanct space, sacred space, to relate, um, and, if you're, and, and the other thing is if you're not creating that for yourself, you can't just create it for your relationship. But if you're not carving out time for yourself to meditate and to exercise and to connect to source, and not only active things, but just moments of doing nothing, absolutely nothing, which is like a radical concept in our in our reality to to have moments of nothingness where you're not even trying to meditate, you're not even contemplating, you're just you're just staring into space without doing anything. Does
0: this go for those of us who own
1: iPhones as well? Absolutely. I mean i i have um, i have i have made you know uh, really important. Structures in my life where, like, when I'm driving, I'm driving. I am not checking my messages. Because mm-hmm. I would, all last year, I was doing that and it was driving me nuts, you know? And, um, and it's like, I, my I changed my phones. I don't have a PDA anymore. Mm-hmm. I've got a, I've got a, a cell phone that's just a phone and I have my, my contact book, you know, my at
0: my, um, Calendar is paper. What a concept! Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a break. I want to come back in a second and talk about um, the particular practices. I know you're very involved in Tibetan Buddhism, and I want to talk about how what the ideas you're talking about either grow out of Tibetan Buddhism, the work that you've been doing, and uh, what other ideas you bring to your personal life practice, which sounds like it's a spiritual practice on its own, and to your clients. So we'll be back in one second. This is Adam Gilad. You're listening to The Fearless Lover, and our guest today is Richard Platt. Listen to Coaching the Life Coach, business and marketing strategies for growth of transformational practices, with Jason McLean, your guide in the 21st century marketplace, on personallifemedia.com. Hey, welcome back. This is Adam Gilad. We're here at The Fearless Lover, and our guest this week is therapist and uh, certified life coach Richard Platt, who works uh, very much in the area of relationship, um, not just intimate relationships, but men's work uh, and also uh, uh, boys, young men, and, and coming into coming into the world and, and transitioning into manhood. I actually want to get to that. Uh, maybe we'll do that next week. I want to particularly talk, Richard, About Since you have so much grounding in so many spiritual traditions, I want to talk about um, uh, transitions and rites of passage, which so many of us don't have. Um, Not only boys into men or girls into women, but into a relationship. And then within a marriage, I'm sure there are several points where things really shift, and you need to acknowledge that uh, transition.
1: Yeah, I I would say that that that's a a moment-to-moment experience, I mean, my, my experience is, is that
0: initiation is happening all the time. You know, what? Let's talk about that right now. We'll get to Tibetan Buddhism next week. Let's talk. That's a great statement. Initiation is happening all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, as soon as you achieve uh, a transition, guess what? <laughs> you know, the next one's on the way. Mm-hmm. And you get a moment of breathing, and that's your moment. Take it. Go deep with it. But, you know, the next thing's going to happen very, very soon on its heels if you're awake. And um, I would say that, that the thing that has, um, you know, the way to deal with that without wanting to put up a lot of walls, which is what most people do, is like they want to control the initiation. They want to stop it because it's too much. And it pushes them into very uncomfortable places. I mean, that's the design, right? It's like we're all on a one-way ticket to wake up. And we either want to shut that down and avoid it through our various addictions, or we open up to it and get on this incredible ride that is, you know, very joyful and powerful, but also pretty scary and, um You know, which is why your whole thing is called the fearless lover. It's like, yeah, when you dive into love and initiation, guess what? It's all about releasing fear and moving forward. And that's what initiation is about, is about going through your fear and getting to the other side and seeing that it was, you know, a paper dragon, basically, but it was running your life. And the only thing that I've found... Besides repeated experience, you know, where you're facing that dragon and you relax and you go through it and you get to the other side and you go, phew, you know that was that. But the only thing that I found that um, allows me to do that, as as challenged as I am personally by this ongoing initiation, is is coming into connection with Source because nothing provides that, you know, not my bank account, not my wife, not my friends, not, um, you know, not a spiritual practice, um, you know, those things can can become ways where I connect to source, but it is the connection to source, and so that, of course, is an individual um, you know, path. I mean, everybody's got their way to get there, but it's it's fundamental. The fundamentally important thing, um, and and being a therapist for the past fifteen years, and studying the ten years before that, and being in therapy, you know, all that time, I really I really found that the answer wasn't in um, psychology. Um, you know, I mean, if the answer was in psychology, you know, Woody Allen wouldn't be marrying
0: his daughter. So, <laughs> so the answer is, you, what you're saying missing in psychology is that there's no touching that source, that it's always about the dynamics of relationships. Right.
1: If psychology is grounded in touching into source, it's a great tool. Then there's the answer, you know, which, of course, it happens in relationships. You know, because in relationship, we two people come together if it 's about love and healing, the source is going to be there but it's but it needs to be conscious, and it needs to be that that 's what it 's about
0: well, let me ask you two questions. Um, you talk about every moment as an initiation, and it's a it 's a beautiful ideal, and actually it 's a beautiful um, wakedness. you know it's if you are awake, then yes, everything's shifting all the time. How do you balance that kind of spiritual uh, openness to change with the duration and endurance of a relationship. There's fear immediately comes to mind um, because change within what's supposed to be a stable relationship can be very threatening to one partner if someone's really changing and open to change.
1: Yeah. Well, that's where the self-care comes in and um, taking time to be changing yourself and growing and deepening and sourcing. um increasing groundedness for yourself so that you, so that you're keeping up with your partner. And um, that is like, I would say the number one challenge for men, because my experiences is that women, um, women, you know, really are powerful and, and multitasking and um, much more connected to life. You know, the vibrancy of life and if we don't really take our time as guys to ground ourselves and get powerful and do things with other guys and do things with our, you know, you know, our source of power, that um, we get blown out of the water. You know, we can't keep up, and then we're all, we're in, we start retreating and defending and um, and also comparing ourselves negatively. Um, and then getting into a power struggle where we want to dominate
0: them and keep them down, and it's just a bad scene. And that's not a power from from actual internal power. It's sort of forcing yourself on someone as a...
1: Right, because you don't feel powerful... So you've got to keep them under your thumb so they stop bugging you,
0: exactly. you know. What are, what are some practical, you said, doing things with other guys. So what are, what are some of the kind of things? I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, it's, I've been doing a lot of this kind of work in my life. Uh, and It's always amazing how little we know yeah. <laughs> yeah. as we advance. But what, what are some of the things you recommend or do with clients for men so that they're growing spiritually so that they can keep up, as you say, with uh, their women?
1: Well, I think men's men coming together and with this focus of getting more deeper, uh, getting deeper and more powerful together, and more grounded, and you know, getting uh, this this uh, awakening technology that that you and I have you know tapped into um, is one of the most important things, and because that's the, the the way for them to get the insight to wake up to the struggle that they're in. And, I, and I'm, you know, I'm in that struggle. I know you are too. So it's like, we, we don't come out as models of it. We just come out as like, Hey, we're here struggling along and let's do it. Um, and let's bring this back, this awareness that, you know, that we are, are different and the differences need to be celebrated and, um, and, and, and guarded. Um, and, and uh, so that we can come together and enjoy the differences and not fight over them, um, so that's one that's one really important thing is men coming together with that focus. Uh, I would say the other thing is is coming together with just the focus of having fun and playing and being knuckleheads, <laughs> you know, and just like being out of out of of striving because so much of our reality. I think we're over striving. You know, we're in this workaholic mode, and then when we, and then when we get when we come out of that, we just want to totally fuck off, and you know, drink beer and, and watch TV, which um, you know is it doesn't really move us forward. Um, I think there's a way to powerfully fuck off. You know, and and have and have it be empowering to us, and that generally for us the best way is through sports.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, through, I think that's a great title for your next book: "How to Fuck yeah. Off." Now,
1: yeah, through doing sports ourselves, not watching it on TV. That's vicarious, and it doesn't really empower us. Um, it's fun, and I'm not saying it, it doesn't have its place. You know, it, it does. I mean, it, it is good to drink beer and watch TV occasionally, okay. but. But we need to be out there and moving our bodies, and that's the thing that I've really discovered as the most important thing to stay grounded in my body. Because if I'm not grounded in my body as a man, mm-hmm. I mean, I am just, I'm screwed when it comes to dealing with the powerful forces that are inherent in the world and in relationship. And, and then the other thing is staying powerfully grounded in my mind um, and in my spirit, you know, through... Um, taking time to meditate. I mean, you know, if you're not meditating, you're also you're you're just you, there's no way you're gonna be able to handle life.
0: Why? It's as simple as that. Why? Well, let's for people who don't meditate. What? Uh, why?
1: Well, um, there's no space in your mind from your own reactivity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. And. Um, and there's no, yeah, you just, you can't, you know, you can, there's a lot of things you can do in the world. You can have a really a successful worldly life without meditating, mm-hmm. given, you know, whatever your background is, mm-hmm. but you're not going to be very happy, you know, because you will be governed by your desires and your attachments and your aversions. Mm-hmm. And um, see, you know, the monkey will be on your back.
0: Right. And in your mind.
1: Right.
0: It's interesting. I hear When I hear you speak, I hear there's so much parallel between, for example, NLP, which is just really trying to break the habits of, you know, how your mind has patterned itself, and Buddhism, which yeah. also teaches you to break the habit of just running chatter through your mind. Yeah. There's
1: a, you know, very powerful book I'd like to recommend to your listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called The Presence Process hmm. by Michael Brown. And um, it's a non-spiritual way to very quickly cut through um, a lot of emotional baggage in a very simple breathing and meditating practice. Um, and, you know, I recommend it to a lot of clients. I use it myself. <clears throat> you know, it's, so it's not Buddhist or Christian or anything. It's just like a real powerful uh, tool. Um, then, you know, the other thing that I've got to highly recommend, um, because after all this experience, the, the only thing that I've discovered or the, the other thing that I've discovered that's very helpful is community.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: And that is something that our culture has antibodies to, you know, it, it just, it wants to, when it, when they find it, it wants to destroy it and take it apart. And, um. You know, I've discovered community through uh, 12-step programs, Mm -hmm. um, through my spiritual path, through the men's work, um, through creating, you know, community. Now I'm really working on creating intentional community, and we'll talk about this later about, you know, initiating young men. Mm. Um, And basically, you know, that's where we're headed. We need to create community. ASAP because, you know, the economy is about to hit the shitter. And when it does, if we don't create community, you know, we are not going to survive emotionally and potentially physically Um, because we're so dependent as a culture upon our economy now. There's no roots into the earth through agriculture or through industry um that when the economy goes you know it's like how are we going to have food and you know jazz like that we better come together and figure out how to connect and how to how to be in communion with each other um just from a simple survival standpoint but in the meantime i mean from emotional survival standpoint we have to as men we have to create that and that's something we can get really active and inspired by and be proactive in a very masculine way to connect with each other and with a deep sense of purpose. Because as you know from all your studies with David Data, if there's one thing that that grounds us as men, it's a sense of purpose. Right. And and that that grounding in a sense of purpose and dealing with what's happening in our economy and in our environment and um in our in our society and that we're doing something about that, then you then at the end of the day if you've done action in that regard, you can like show up to your woman nagging at you or you know, or your finances going south or whatever the world throws at you with a sense like, well, you know what? I'm a stud.
0: You know? <laughs> I just died
1: a day. Everything could hit the – you know, the shit could all hit the fan, but I did what I needed. You know, today was a good day to die because I actually showed up, you know, deeply responding to
0: the suffering of the world. Well, that's, that's beautifully stated. For, for a show called The Fearless Lover, you gave us quite a little vision into the future there a couple minutes ago. But um, of, of the economy collapsing and all of us farming together in small communities – but, um, but I, I like where this ended up. I liked uh, where you were talking about purpose, larger purpose, because I think really at the heart of what I'm trying to get at in this series is being a fearless lover of a woman or for a woman of a man goes obviously way beyond that at just the center. And I think part of the problem in this culture is that um, people are so separated, not just from community, but from extended family, and we're expected to be everything to each other. And and I I gave a lot of disappointment and a lot of stress, obviously. So much pressure. It's an impossible task. Oh, my God. And I think it's important for people, if they haven't, is to get yourselves out into a third-world country and just uh, spend some time with locals, and you'll begin to see the kind of uh, support systems that existed well throughout human history until about 50 years ago. Absolutely. Well, maybe 200 years ago, but, but more so in the last 50 years. Um, uh, Richard, thank you we're out of time right now, but next week we're going to pick this up Um, I'd like specifically, as we said, to get into um, how Tibetan Buddhism has has moved you into this and through uh, your fears and how you use it to help uh, men and women move through their fears, and I particularly want to start with the term you used with me privately, which was it uh, creates joy bombs so, um, different kind of bomb for us in America next week Uh, Richard Platt, thank you so much, this is Uh, The Fearless Lover, this is Adam Gilad. And Richard, thank you. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.